Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church, whether you are physically in the room or you're online and you can see me, but I can't see you. Regardless how that is, you're engaging with us, and so we're thankful for that. Um, uh, I know we just finished worshiping and praying, but um, I think maybe I need this, and so uh, would you just allow me to take a moment to pray one more time? God, there may be a hundred reasons why we're here this morning, represented in this room online. But I pray that that re- whatever those reasons are, that that reason would switch for every one of us to the reason that we're here is to hear your voice. To hear what you have to say to us through me or in spite of me because today this moment these next few moments are yours i give myself to you we give ourselves to you do what only you can do we ask this in your name jesus amen So parents in the room or online, I wonder if you have ever had this experience where you feel like you have something that you want to share with your children and it is so important that you gather them together. Maybe you have one child, maybe you have several children or whatever, and you gather them together in a room, maybe a living room or at the kitchen table, and you sit them down so that you can like be on the same level as them and they're looking in your eyes and you're looking in their eyes and you share something really you know powerful or amazing or or really really important that you want to make sure they are going to get this and so you both sit down right and and you kind of just jump into this and and you kind of you say okay this is really important now uh the reason i ask that is because laura and i every now and then uh, this doesn't happen weekly. Uh, it may not even happen monthly, but there are times throughout the year, usually every year, uh, where something comes up that is really, really important that we want to share with our children, and we want to make sure that there are no screens involved, no other distractions, and so we're all going to sit down, and we'll call them, usually what we do for our house, is we call them into the living room. And, and, and when we call them, we say, kids, we need you to come in here and sit down. And usually at this point, this is where we cue the eye rolls. Uh, You know, we cue the questions, do we have to? Yes. (laughs) And we cue the questions of how long is this going to take? Right? Have anybody, any parents in the room with me on this uh, at all? And so uh, we do that and we sit down. And sometimes, honestly, we gather them together in our living room so we can all sit down and talk. And, and we're going to share something really surprising or exciting that we just, we're getting, we have a surprise for you. And we want to just watch your faces when we reveal this, you know? Sometimes that's the case. And our kids are really excited about that. Then the eye rolls stop, right? But then sometimes we gather them together in the living room and sit together and look at each other's eyes because we have something that is life critical. Maybe something happened 
that is not good. Or maybe something happened that was dangerous for one of our children or in the community, and we want to let them know this is happening, and we need to let them know why this is important and what we believe needs to happen as a result. Life-critical things. So the reason I bring that up is because I brought a stool with me here today. And not to get too cryptic right out of the gate, but I want you to imagine today that we're sitting in my living room. Doesn't feel like it yet, does it? It's okay. I want you to feel like you're sitting in our living room because I have something to share with you today that is life critical. And so I, I want to sit. I'm not going to stay here. There's no way I could sit here this whole time. You understand. You're like, you're going to sit there? No way. But you'll see me pull this up. And the reason I want you to get this is because I want to change my level so that we understand this is just you and I, all of us, having a conversation in the living room. And this is absolutely critical, what I'm about to talk about. It has the potential to either destroy your life or save it. Literally that big. And I'm not just talking physically, I'm talking spiritually, mentally, emotionally, your relationships, your life, your family, your marriage, everything hinges on this. How many of you glad you got out of bed this morning <laughs> and joined me in my living room? Today is life critical. Now, here's what I would say is uh, last week, in this series, Backstage uh, of Life, uh, Pastor Chris did a phenomenal job uh, last week. Uh, if you were here last week, let me just say, we've been talking about backstage and, and the, the hidden areas of our life, the, the parts of life that, that most people do not see. Normally, people do not see that. It's hidden stuff. It's stuff that we only do, that only we know or only our family knows or our close friends know. It's the backstage areas of life, things that are not overtly visible usually. We've been talking about that. And Pastor Chris, last week, I mean, like knocked a grand slam out of the park with the sermon that she gave. Uh, and let me just say, I am nowhere near the same universe in fun as Pastor Chris is. Right? I'm not, I'm not even close. I did not bring Play-Doh for you today. I'm sorry. Right? She had Play-Doh for everybody last Sunday, which was amazing. You guys got to see that and you saw pictures online. You guys created some amazing stuff. I was able to create a ball. <laughs> it was really good. I mean, it's smooth, you know, but that's what I, that's what I was able to make. Some of you guys have cats and feathers and all that. Like, I'm like, what? is going on here. You guys were really creative. But one of the things that I learned, I, I learned a whole bunch of things from Pastor Chris when she shared that truth last week. But one of the things that she shared was she shared this picture. And I want to bring it back because this is cool. She shared this picture last week. This is a picture of Saturday Night Live's live stage. Okay? Uh, the middle of that picture, that light, you kind of see that pinkish, reddish, you know, kind of little backdrop there. That alone is the stage part where they do the skits. That's the only part of this picture that is actually seen 
on TV. It's a very, you know, I mean, you can see it right in the middle there. Now, here's what I want to ask you. Isn't it interesting? Look all the way around the rest of the room because the main picture, you can, you can almost not even see the stage in this picture. Do you see the lights and the cameras and the, the, the screens and the crew and all the people running around and the audio and the cables and the, and the backdrops and the props and all the other stuff? Do you see all that? All of that to make this little thing come to life on your screen. What I want to draw attention to is, do you notice how big the live front stage part of this picture is compared to the backstage part of it? The backstage part is multiple times bigger than the front stage, isn't it? Not just a little bit bigger, but way bigger. So the reason I bring that up is because we as human beings, sometimes we believe a lie. We believe a myth. And that myth, that lie is this, that our backstage part of life, that secret part of our life, that part that nobody else sees, is actually kind of a small part of our life. It's insignificant. It doesn't matter what we do when nobody's watching. That, That doesn't have any bearing on our life. We can do what we want as long as we look good on the outside, as long as we're treating people like we should in the front stage part of our life. Our backstage part of life is a small thing. And I'm here to tell you that it's exactly the opposite of that. The backstage part of your life, like that picture, is massive. It's huge. Especially in its impact on your life. The backstage part of our life has massive impact on the part that's seen. More than we sometimes realize. And by the way, we all know this. Uh, I don't know how many of you have noticed that every now and then we hear about a celebrity or a sports person, an athlete, or a movie star or an artist, that all of a sudden their backstage part of life catches up with them. Anybody ever read a story like that? Ever seen a story? Anybody? Weekly? (laughs) Right? And, and the only reason we know about their stories is because they're already like in the limelight. They're already famous. And so as soon as something happens to their backstage part of life, it becomes really obvious and everybody wants to know about it because we have paparazzi everywhere, right? And they're like capturing it. I'm sure they love that aspect of their lives. And we know inherently that the backstage part of their life was not matching the front stage. It looked this way, but it was really going on this way in the background. And so today, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. We've come a long way from Play-Doh from last week, haven't we? (laughs) We're jumping into the deep end of the pool. And these thoughts, this first thought that I want to share, actually comes from Jesus' own words in the book of Revelation. Of course, we're going to Revelation today. We're going to go to the book of Revelation, and in this section that I'm about to read, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. I'm only going to read a small part of it, but Jesus is speaking directly to a church in Laodicea. When I say church, I don't mean he's talking to a building, you understand. He's writing, he's speaking directly to a group of Christians, followers of Christ, And just to tell you specifically what these types of Christians in this particular church were doing, apparently they were apathetic. The only way we know that they're apathetic is because Jesus has some very strong, blunt, brutal truth for them. 
And he calls them out and he says, you are apathetic. You are lukewarm. You are not passionate at all about me, is what Jesus is saying. But then he gets to this interesting moment where he says this phrase. Some of you have heard this many, many times being read. Some of you, you've never heard that Jesus said this. So I want to read this because it's very interesting. Revelation 3 Verse 20, again, remember, he's speaking to this church that is passionless, that is apathetic toward Jesus. He says, look, he's trying to get their attention. Look, see me, look at my eyes. I'm sitting in your living room like, oh, wait, not yet. Look, what does he say? I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Now, I want to show you a picture. I don't know. I'm kind of curious today. This, is, this picture, when I saw this picture earlier, when I read this verse, immediately this is the picture that came to mind. Let's show them this picture. Okay? Does anybody, has anybody ever seen this picture? Anybody ever seen this picture in somebody's house? Just, just kind of help me out here. I'm just kind of curious. Okay, there's, there's quite a few of them who have seen this picture. It's probably one of the most famous Christian iconic pictures uh, that is out there. It was, uh, it was painted by Warner Salmon. <clears throat> and he's probably one of the most famous like, Christian artists, uh, certainly of the, of the 20th century, in the 1900s. In fact, the New York Times says he's probably the most famous artist in that century. Like all to, not just Christian, overall. And it's because he did these two paintings, the head of Christ, which is not this one, and this one, which is called Christ at Heart's Door. It's called Jesus at Heart's Door, or Jesus at the door of your heart. Now, this is what's interesting. If you look at this picture, <clears throat> you look at the door, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but there's no doorknob or handle visible on the door. It's possible that Jesus is covering up. I know, I get that. Like, he's kind of on that side of the door. That's possible. But there's no handle. There's no doorknob. There's nothing there that indicates that this door can be opened from the outside. It appears, at least in this picture, that this door can only be unlatched, opened, or pulled from the inside. From inside this house, from inside the heart. And what's interesting is whether the artist did this intentionally or not, it's possible. I didn't read up deep enough to know this. But whether or not he did it intentionally, this picture is actually very accurate to that verse that Jesus spoke. Because what did Jesus say? He says, I stand at the door and knock. And then he says, and you're going to open the door. Otherwise, I'm kicking it in. That's not what Jesus said. I stand at the door and knock, and I'm going to burn this door down. That's not what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? I stand at the door and knock, and then he says this little word that denotes that it may or may not happen. You know what that word is? If. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice... If you open the door, keep that in mind, because then what does Jesus say after that? If you do this, if you open the door, if you 
hear my voice. It gives you an option, doesn't it? You could either keep the door shut or you can open it and let him in. And what does Jesus say if we hear his voice and we open the door? What, is, what does Jesus say he's going to do? This is what he says. Let's go back to the verse. Revelation 3.20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, what does Jesus say he's going to do? I'm going to come in. <laughs> now, some of you are like, I don't want that. <laughs> that's, that's creepy. That's scary. Like, that's why I'm not opening the door because I know Jesus, if I open the door, he's coming in. He is going to come in. But he's not going to come in and, and do anything really crazy or scary, at least not at first. He's going to come in and what does Jesus say he's going to do? He's going to sit down and you're going to eat together. You're going to have a meal together. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is huge. Jesus is saying, if I stand at the door and knock, if you hear my voice and if you open that door, I'm going to come in. I'm going to enter into your space. I'm going to enter into your life. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to start building a relationship. We're going we're gonna to hang out. We're going to eat together. We're going to start talking. Well, I want to guide and direct you. I want to start redeeming you. I want to purify you. I want to start guiding and, and, and kind of helping you with your thought life. I want to start helping with your emotions. I want to start helping you with your mental health. I want to start talking about these things with you. I want to I walk in this life together. I'm here for the long haul. I didn't just come to visit and then leave. I'm here. I'm with you. If somebody stops by your house and their intention or your intention is to keep them moving on as fast as possible, some of you, have you ever had somebody stop at your house and you're like, oh man, here we go. No? <laughs> I experienced that. <laughs> nobody's in this room. Nobody's online. You guys are good. I love you all. But every now and then, right, and I've joked about this, if somebody's going around knocking trying to sell me something, I would go to the ba downstairs bathroom. I do. Like, close the door. Even if I have to go to the bathroom or not, it doesn't matter. I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm not answering the door. Right? If I want somebody to move on or if, I, if they want me not to hold them very long, they're just dropping something off. Some of you cringe when you have to drop something off my house because if I answer the door, we're like, okay, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Here we go. The amount of times that I've prayed and cried on my porch, let me tell you, it's a lot. <laughs> Truly. Because all of a sudden we start talking and we get real and God takes us somewhere. Jesus says, I will come in and I, we're going to have a relationship. We're going to dig into this. You don't invite people in and, and, and have them sit at the table if you want them to be a flash in the pan. Jesus says, I'm here, I'm in for the long haul forever. But you have to open the door. Now, here's the thing. If we invite Jesus in the door, if we accept Christ, if we give our life to Jesus, if we open that door open and Jesus comes in and he starts sitting down and he's going to have a meal with us, Jesus is going to show us how powerful he is and how powerful he wants you to be. He's going to start preaching value into your life. He's going to tell you how amazing and incredible and beautiful and, and just amazing you are. 
He's going to start loving on you. He's going to start redeeming you. He's going to start guiding you. He's going to start directing you. He's going to start praying for you. He's, he's doing all that stuff now. He's already been praying for you long before you open the door. He's knocking and praying at the same time. But he was going to start digging in with you. And so he's going to do all of that. And there's going to be amazing things that happens. But can I tell you something else that is going to happen in addition to that? This is an and, not a but. Right? This is not, he's going to do this, but <laughs> he's also going to do this. This is, he's going to do this, and he's going to do this. He's going to start shining light on parts of your life that need to have light shined on it. Yay! He is. He's going he's to start bringing a spotlight or a flashlight or whatever you want to use in your mind. And he's going to start shining some light on some parts of your life that he says, you, now you've been dealing with this for, man, a long time. Let's, let's bring that out so that we can cast it out. He's going to start shining light on this. Now, there's another guy in, who's talked about a lot in the Bible who wrote a good portion of the Bible. His name is Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul knows something about this whole light shining on dark places in life. Because if you read like most of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes a lot about his struggles with sin. He talks about his struggle with darkness. And, and like I, I mention this all the time, but he says, I want to do what's right. I want to do what's good, but then I don't do it. Why is that? He's, he's talking about his struggles, like this whole idea that there's darkness and, and light needs to be shined on the darkness and he needs to change and he knows that, but he just, he just, he's resistant to it. And so the Apostle Paul knows this really well and he writes this in Ephesians 5, 6 through 13. Let me just prepare you. This is very blunt, very in-your-face kind of stuff because Paul has been dealing with this himself. And so he's just being honest about light and darkness. Okay, listen to what he says. Paul writes, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once, remember, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to followers of Christ. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Now take note of this next phrase. Paul writes, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Did you catch that? We, we should put that everywhere in our life. Like on our mirror, hanging from you know, the car, on our desk, in our computers, screensaver, like on our phone. How many of you want this passage on your screensaver and frame it on your wall? <laughs> Maybe not, but at least this part, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And then do that. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, what does it say? expose them how many of you man oh yeah expose them how many of you love your sins being exposed you're just like sign me up for that we're gonna have a sin exposing party in a couple of weeks right we're, we're gonna do that how many of you just sign up online how many of you are ready it's gonna be awesome and we'll sing some christmas carols afterwards okay right mandy so you can lip sync it that'll be that'll be awesome all right this is gonna be amazing 
No, we don't want that. But that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Expose them. Bring them into the light. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. See, see, there's, there's, there's an interesting thing. There's another lie that we tell ourselves. And that lie is that we can hide what's going on in our backstage part of life. And God says, no, you can't. And, and here's the truth. I just need us to hear the truth. Remember, I love you guys, but this is the truth. Your sins will be exposed. The difference is, the question is, will you expose them willingly, open the door and let light shine on them, or will they be forced out in another way at some point by God? I don't know about you, but it's way better than when we reveal and shine light on what God wants us to reveal than him forcing it. Let me kind of give an example of this. So I've mentioned this before, at least maybe once or twice, but one of the hardest things for me as a pastor is watching or listening to myself preach. I hate it. I do. I, I actually, I, I honestly considered showing like a clip of myself preaching right in this moment just to show you how awkward it would be because it would be awkward for you guys, right? If I, if I showed a clip of me preaching while I'm standing here watching it while you're watching me preaching to you, like talk about weird, right? And you know who the weirdest one in the room is? <laughs> me, for sure. For sure, because this is what I do when I watch or listen to myself preaching, and I have to face this all the time because we have cameras and we record this, and we put this on the internet. Thank you for that, Lord. That is awesome. I, I don't know, but I'm just telling you, I am totally, most of the time, uncomfortable with it. I don't like it. Because when I watch myself preach, these are the thoughts that I have. I'm like, oh, man, I look like an idiot. I do. I, I, that's what I think. I'm like, oh, man. I, I'm sitting there just cringing. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll be like, oh, man. I can't believe I said it that way. I did, why? What, what was I doing? I went down this rabbit trail. I started making these jokes. Like, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I should have brought Play-Doh. <laughs> something I mean really I'm, I'm being honest like I, I think man why my face looks weird and contorted why was I doing that why don't I hold my hands that way why don't I stand still you know whatever I pick on myself constantly why why is it so hard because it is hard to face reality the camera doesn't lie this is how this is who I am this is how I come across this is how I talk it's hard to face that. It's hard to face reality. I, the truth is right there in my face. Jesus actually says it a different way, this light and darkness thing. He was talking with Nicodemus, and, and Nicodemus was asking Jesus some really, really hard questions. And Jesus says this to him in the midst of this. John 3, 20 and 21. Jesus says, All who do evil hate the light. And refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be, where's that, what's that word again? 
Exposed. Man, isn't this great? We get to use exposed all the time today. To be in the light. But those who do what is right come to the light. They go into the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So just this past week, I kid you not, like I can give you a hundred examples of how I struggle with this. Literally, I'm not talking about this happened, you know, several years ago and I've become a much better Christian now. This happened this last week, just so we're clear. Pretty recent, few days ago. I'm sitting at dinner with my family, the five of us, Laura and I and our three kids. We're just sitting at dinner. And uh, one of my kids, I'm not going to tell you who, pulls out an electronic device. And it begins to rise in dad, right? Because our rule is very clear at the dinner table, at a mealtime, there are no devices allowed to be out. We aren't looking at them. We're here. We're looking at each other. We're engaging on a real level. And that's not, there's no time for screens at this moment. Okay, And so the, the, the child pulls this out, and I get angry and call him out in front of the family because they know this standard. And after, you know, after something goes down, you know, in the room when everybody's just like, nobody wants to look at each other, it's just awkward, it's quiet, it's like, oh. Right? It kind of ruins the meal, right? It's like, man, we were doing good. Not so much now. Dad's mad. <laughs> right? I got really angry. And I've said this before. I love my wife for hundreds of reasons, including what I'm about to say. And I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. I mean that. Because it's going to come across like I didn't, didn't actually love this, but truly I did. Uh, especially in retrospect. Uh, but a few moments later, a couple minutes maybe, still kind of walking on needles, you know, at the table. Things aren't great. And Laura just softly kind of suggests, she didn't say this in this many words, but this is essentially what she was saying. Uh, she looked across the table and, and, uh, and she said, maybe you were both wrong. Ah, man. And in that moment, me and my kid realized that we were both in the wrong. And so we apologized at the table in front of our family. Woo, that was fun. But I share that to say two things. One... Me and this particular child who also was in the wrong, we did not enjoy being called out. We didn't like Laura, my wife, shining a light on our mistake. Right? It's like, you know, what, what I felt was, thank you. You want me to bring up some of your stuff too? Oh, keep no record of wrongs. Right, 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 right. I played the mental game just like any other human being in here, right? I've got some fodder for you. I have some weapons. But I held that back because I knew that was definitely not godly. 
right? And so we apologize to each other in front of our family in that moment. And you know what? The next 10, 15 minutes, our, our dinner wasn't, didn't last that much longer. We're pretty quick with our dinner. And, and, and for the next 10, 15 minutes, we had an amazing dinner. We laughed. We talked. We shared stories. We had an amazing time. We talked about the excitement that we're going into the Christmas season. Like, we just had an amazing time hanging out as a family, just the five of us. The other reason I tell that is this. It would have been easier for at least me and this particular child to keep that mistake in the darkness so that we didn't have to deal with it. It's not easy to apologize, let alone apologize when other people are watching literally two feet from you. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for me, even though I knew I was supposed to do it. It was, still wasn't easy. But let me just be clear that if we do not shine light on the mistakes in our life, if we do not allow light to shine where there is darkness, where there is hidden stuff that is going on that we know it should not be there in our life, in our marriage, in our family, in our thoughts, in whatever, when we don't allow light to shine on that, then you know what happens? The apology is not given, forgiveness is not offered, and darkness wins. Darkness wins. And you stay chained to your sin. Because one of the greatest things about light is that it doesn't feel good in the moment. Some of you know this, but after it's been exposed, after it's out there, what do you feel? We all know this. There's this amazing sense of freedom. Because the weight of the darkness has been pressing you down, holding you hostage. And once it comes into the light, it's like you can breathe again. So how do we make sure light wins over darkness? We invite Jesus into the door. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice, if you let me in the door, I'm going to come in. And we're going to eat together. And we're going to get real. And I'm going to show you some things that can change your So here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to ask Rini to come up for a moment. Remember, I brought the stool, right? So we're going to end a little bit differently today. Remember, we're in the living room, right? I have music in my living room. Isn't that cool? I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've been praying about today because I believe this moment, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to soften it. I believe this moment 
actually has the chance, the opportunity to save your life, to save your marriage, to save your faith, to save your relationships with your kids, to save or to reconcile something that's been broken for decades. I, I believe that this moment, I'm serious about that. That's, that's how big I think this is. I believe that this moment has the potential to change the direction of your life. That's why I'm sitting down because I don't, I don't know if I stand, I don't know what I'll do if I stand, like I've, I've just got to be like closer to your level here. And I think that I need whatever God has to give to me today too. So here's what I want to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to do a couple specific things. Don't worry, they're simple. You don't have to do much. In your, you can do this in your seat. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Okay? You don't have to yet, but in a moment. So just prepare yourself. And I want to just linger in this moment for a minute. A few minutes. Won't be long, but we're going to linger. We're just going to sit in this moment because let's be honest, if we come in and do church and leave, I mean, it, it's not worth much. It, it, just, it just isn't. And so we're going to, here's why I'm doing this. This is not to try to change it up or try to do something different because Chris brought Play-Doh last week. This is, let me tell you exactly why this, we're doing this in this moment. This is to give God time and space in your mind and in your heart and in your life to actually listen and hear what he has to say to you because I'm guessing it's different than what I am or at least more nuanced and definitely uh, way more awesome in truth. So just imagine we're sitting in the living room And this is your opportunity to listen for God's voice. Not mine, God's. So I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. Like I said, the first one in a moment is to close your eyes, and the second one, I'll get to it. So go ahead, and if you would, everybody in the room, everybody online, if you're watching online, go ahead and just close your eyes. I want you to calm your mind. I want you to be aware for a moment of what you're thinking about. Now I want you to try to clear whatever it is that you're thinking about. Drop it. Try to release it. Get rid of it. As I prayed last night, I also prayed this morning. I'm asking that you would be a vessel to be filled up so that you can be poured out. Something that God can just fill. Calm your mind. Slow. Just take a moment. Slow you're breathing. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you some questions with some pauses after each one. What needs to be brought into the light in your life? 
What needs to change? What needs to stop? What is destroying your marriage right now? What is destroying or keeping you from relationship with your children? What is making you angry on a daily basis? What is making you lust on a daily basis? What is an addiction that needs to be exposed? Now for a moment, just think about this. How amazing would it be to be free indeed. How amazing would it be f- to be free in Christ? How amazing would it be to have God give you peace in every area of your life, your backstage and front stage, side stage, in the unknown stages. How would it feel to know God's peace everywhere in your life? So with your eyes still closed, I want you to do something. Hold out both of your hands in a clenched fist facing down to the ground. So palms are facing down. Clench your fists and just reach them out and face them down to the ground. Eyes still closed. And I want you in your mind to think about some of the answers to those questions. Maybe whatever God gave to you, whatever he revealed to you, imagine those thoughts. Imagine the things that need to be brought into the light or need to stop or need to be out of your life. Now, I want you to imagine those thoughts, those things in your life moving down into your hands. They're in your fists. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to slowly... Open your hands and release those things and let them fall. 
this position, this posture, this is the one right before surrender. This is the one that if you're bowing to Almighty God, this is, this is where your hands would be. Out, releasing what you need to release. Now I want you to do one more thing. Simply flip your hands over so that your palms are facing up. What is God placing in your hands right now? What is he giving to you to replace the darkness? To give you light, to give you joy, to give you peace. What does God want to place into your life right now? Lord Jesus, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to open the door In this moment, if there is anybody in this room or online who has never opened the door for you, they've never accepted you, Jesus, I pray that that is the step they would take right now this morning, that they would realize that what you want to place in their hands is salvation, forgiveness from sin. That you would help them to realize that, God. God, maybe there are people here who have, they've already given their life to you, but they have been hiding something. Keep the, something in their backstage of life has been keeping them down. It's been locking them into place. God, would you help them to realize that you are offering them freedom. Freedom from darkness, freedom from sin, freedom from hiding anymore. God, you are so good. This is why you died for us, so that we could have freedom from darkness and sin. Continue to pour into us in these moments, God. If we need to confess something to somebody, help us to do it. If we need to offer something that has needed to change to you, help us to do it us to be bold and courageous. We thank you for loving us, God, for wanting to come into our life and have a relationship with us. We pray this and we give you praise for this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So here's the deal. We could end contemplative, soft and easy, but I don't think that that's where we should leave it. Because I don't know about you, but today's been a little heavy and intense. But here's what we need to do. We need to, when God comes into your life, when you open that door and Jesus sits down and has a meal with you and he brings things into the light, it's going to feel awkward and hard at first. And then that light is going to show you something else. It's going to show you joy and peace and salvation and forgiveness and amazing things. And then, you know what we say after we pray? What do we say at the end of our prayers? We say, amen. 
We say, so be it, God. Yes to this. Yes to you. Yes to everything that you're calling me to. Yes to this peace and this joy and this salvation in my life. And so today, we're not going to end kind of soft. We're going to end kind of up by singing a song called, And All the People Said, Amen. There you go. And so we're going to end on a celebration note because when Jesus shines light on us, we should say amen to that. We should celebrate it. So I want to invite you to stand for our final song and let's celebrate what only God can do. Sing.